Well, hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University. We want to welcome you to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas that you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. We are now exclusively a part of the SEU Podcast Network. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, SEU Chief of Staff. And I'm excited to introduce our guest for today's show, Tyler Reagan. Tyler is the founder and CEO of The Life-Giving Company, an organization that exists to create life-giving leaders and organizations through coaching, consulting, retreat workshops. He also serves as a leadership coach for teams and organization and has been a longtime friend, a great friend of Southeastern University. Uh, Tyler, great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, I always forget that, about your anchor days because oh. as soon as you <laughs> yes. start, I'm like, gosh, yeah. Yeah. he's just so stinking good at this. Oh, yeah. uh, he, uh, he eats those teleprompters for breakfast. Uh, it's yeah. so fun. It's so fun to watch. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. man, it's just a privilege. And I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation about what it means to be a life-giving leader. Yeah. Um, and, and so tell us a little bit more about this ministry and, and really what prompted you to, to start it. Yeah, I've just... Um, the life-giving leader conversation stuff has really come out of um, the book, the first leadership book I wrote. And it's funny because the original title of that was um, The Color of Your Leadership, Painting mm-hmm. Who You Are and How You Lead. And really the idea is that um, God uniquely gifted us and wired us for a unique purpose. Psalm 139 talks about that. It's it's interesting. I was just teaching this last night to a, a group of young adults, and uh, you know we've read Psalm 139 that talks about um, that we were knit together in our right. mother's womb. But quite often people don't read past that. But a few verses down, he talks about he did that while looking at the breadth of your life, looking right. at your story. Mm. And so many leaders that I know have never connected those two things. They they feel like, well, I, I'm good at some things. I want to be more like that person. I want to be. But what if? Just what if? Yeah. God uniquely knit you together with your wiring, with your gifting, with whatever, while looking at the plan, sure. while looking wow. at the story, while yep. looking at yeah. the ideas that He has for you. But so often we we read social media, we look at these things. Oh, I want to be more like that. Wow, I wish I had more of this. I wish yeah. I wow. I wish I could do these things. But the I just tell young leaders all the time, the quicker you can become proud of that uniqueness, right? Huge. the quicker you'll be leading into God's calling for your life. So that's really where that came out of. It ended up being called a life-giving leader, and um, that's where the company came from. I just There's something about that language that stuck to my heart and my soul mm-hmm. of like, I just want to be that kind of person. Right. Like, whether it's a leadership thing or a friendship thing or any sort of relationship, I just pray that people get more life from me than they than I take from them. And that's just kind of the goal of that. Well, and I think there's so many people that that they haven't learned how to be curious about themselves. Yeah. You know, they're curious about so many other things. They want to learn stuff. We, you know, we, we participate in so much leadership stuff and, and different things where our careers and that kind of thing. But the, the, the area, the big thing that God gave you and the thing that you actually have the most... Yeah capacity to discover more about is yourself yeah. and and um you know it can be tough to to really dig in there what are some of the what are some of, as you're coaching and you're talking with people what are some of the ways you help people kind of prompt that curiosity about themselves to get them start thinking introspectively like yeah well that? you've you've always got to go back to emotional intelligence to okay. me that's the the we talk about framework yep. that is the baseline mm-hmm. like um and what's unique and i've, I've led a, a bunch of leaders who um 
you know, emotional intelligence 2.0 is kind of where they took Goldman's first original right, five. Right. Now they've made it four. So half the time I'm like, which one is this again? Right. But, you know, it's self-awareness that leads to self-management. Here's one of the most interesting things in leadership. There's a lot of people who are very self-aware. Right. The Enneagram has, like, sure. put self-awareness, like, to a, right. another yeah, stratosphere, yeah, right? Yeah. The number of students that we could walk out tomorrow or today on this yeah. campus and go, what's your Enneagram number? Boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom. The trick, though, is when do you actually start learning the leadership? component, which is, I know myself, and you know the old phrase, know thyself to lead thyself. Right. The trick is a lot of people know themselves, but they're not leading themselves. Mm. That's where the self-management comes in. I, I had a, a leader who worked for me for probably seven or eight years, and he, he just had a wiring that was blunt, very straightforward, and, and for some reason when he led staff, he, he was our best volunteer developer on the planet. Wow. But staff felt different to him. He saw them as his, like, they work for me, therefore, you know, so he just, but one of the things he used to do, he would say certain things with just no warmth, Mm. no, like, thought, you know, no, no social awareness. And one day he comes in and goes, Tyler, you'll be so proud of me. Today I said something that was really rude, and I caught myself afterwards, and I apologized. I was like, man, all right. Well, there it is, baby We're steps. making progress, yeah. and I'm really proud of your self-awareness. But here's the problem with a lot of leaders. They never move to self-management, yeah. which is, I know this about right. myself. So, therefore, yeah. I'm going to try to avoid, because an apology doesn't take away hurt feelings. No. Right. It is a recognition, hey, I shouldn't have said that, and I'd rather you apologize than not. But the goal is behavior change. The goal is to move yeah. that. So I would say that a huge part of that is really understanding self awareness from an emotional intelligence side of things. And it's not enough to just know, well, I'm not a detailed person. Right. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and I I tell leaders all the time, uh, assessments can be a weapon or a crutch. Wow. Many of us use use it as a weapon that says, oh, you're an Enneagram 3. You're going to run through people. You're going to do this. Or, yeah, you don't fit our team. Mm -hmm. So there's ways to use it as a weapon. Or some of us use it as a crutch, which I'm, I'm naturally unstructured. Well, I still have to pay taxes and live indoors. Right. And so I still to, like yeah, right. Absolutely. I don't want to. Right. 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 That's not my wiring. So we'll use it as a crutch and go, well, I just can't lead people because I don't like them. You know, like, <laughs> no, well, yeah. Okay. No, we still have a job to do. So mm-hmm. I, I just think starting in an understanding of how the self-awareness and understanding myself mm-hmm. plays into the rest of my leadership right. is really critical. That's yeah. good. Tyler, throughout your, uh, your career, you've had to learn how to navigate a lot of different transitions, whether that was through a, a career change or whether it's through marriage, fatherhood. What advice do you have for leaders who are hesitant to follow a new pathway? Hmm. Man, that's a good question because so many of us, we just don't like change. Right. Like People that say they like change, and actually I think I would say that because I kind of like, right. yeah. I, I'm, I'm unstructured naturally. So for me, it's not that I don't want traditions or ritual. I just like that Monday through Friday looks different every week, yeah, right? Like that's absolutely. That's, that's a mm-hmm. wiring thing. Mm-hmm. So, for, but but most people like big change is significant, and it's hard to embrace that. Some of us like it more than others. But what I would encourage leaders who get anxious about it is one. Um, here's an example. I I remember I had I had to. Um, we all go through these hard seasons in leadership, and I had to make some adjustments with staff members one time. We had to we had to let a few go, and it was really hard for me because these are like my people, sure. and this is mm-hmm. my family, and these people that matter the world to me. And I remember God gave me this really just peaceful moment where He just said two things to me. He said, "I'm," He said to me, "Like I, Tyler, am not their provider. Mm-hmm. He is, right? And I, Tyler, could never love him as much as he does. Mm-hmm. And in a moment of 
hard season to know those two things allowed me to rest and what yeah. decisions had to be made. So I bring that up in the example of, hey, there's change coming or there needs right. to be a change. I think if there's a, an ability to find a, a couple of North Stars, a couple of anchoring points right. that let you go, okay, what's the, you know, worst case scenario, I make the wrong decision and I remake the decision. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of young leaders, uh, I call it, they, get, they keep getting trapped um, in this forever home mentality yeah. of, well, every decision is a forever home. Yeah. I think on average, last I heard, everybody in their 20s, the average jobs is six or something wow. like that in your wow. 20s. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So if you think you're going to make the wrong decision, you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. We all have. Right. And absolutely. we're better for it. And so I think the key is not even just are you making the perfect decision, but if it doesn't play out right, how do you adjust? How right. do you pivot? How do you move? And so I think it, my advice is also just let go of this idea that every decision is a forever decision. Yeah. yeah. It's just not. Yeah. No. Like, it's okay, you know? Mm-hmm. Be, just rest a little bit in the, yeah. in the ease of that. Yeah. 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 Um, so how do you, as you think about this, or you know, you're giving advice to, to people to not get stuck in that forever decision. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of that is, is do you have the capacity to figure out the next step? Do you have the capacity to kind of develop that? How can people develop those kind of skills to, to figure out the next step, to have that kind of figure outitude while maybe they're in the same role, right? So, so it's like, hey, I don't, I don't want to transition now, but I want to be able to prepare myself for whatever life throws that way. How can I do use, basically, how can I use the time I'm in right now right. to prepare myself for next? Yeah, I, uh, there's a lot of young, you know, being here at a university, you deal with a lot of uh, mm-hmm. students who are just going, well, I want to be here, right. How, I, but I want to I want to uh, bypass the the right. process. Right. <laughs> like I just want the destination. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I love the job. Okay, guys. Well, but yeah, but you haven't earned it yet. Right. Yeah. Whatever. And and one of the struggles that I think a lot of us as young leaders or even a season ahead now, the the destination seem like the goal. Mm-hmm. But when you get into the next season, you go. Actually, I realized the process was the that's goal. Important. Like sure. that's what yeah. changed me. That's what made me better. And so um, one of the things I just like to encourage people and so many people that want the destination, they're, they're going, well, what do I do now? Right. And my heartbeat, what I always tell young leaders is, well, the one thing you can work on now that isn't destination uh, um, uh, connected or it has to be is your character. Right. Like, by far, in a way, you don't have to have the job to work on your character. Mm-hmm. You might have to have the job to work on your skill with this, that, and the other. Right. But if there's one thing that takes a lifetime to build and minutes to lose is character. Right. And if you get to that destination and you have not worked on that, right. and the wrong thing comes through the door or mm-hmm. the wrong th- you could quickly erode your ability to have that influence in that role. And so for me, the thing you can work on when you want to be the boss and you're not the boss mm-hmm. is building the character to be able to withstand when you get the boss job cuz Dr. Ingram, you've I mean that you you step into this president role over a decade ago now, right? Mm-hmm. right. And that's a totally different role for you than mm-hmm. what you had done in the past. So there were things, though, if you'd gotten here 10 years before that, it could have played into your life. Right, and, right. you know, it, it just, we, we can short circuit the process sure. too quick. And if it's, uh, you know, always when I'm around yeah. you guys, I'm always jealous that you work out way more than I do. <laughs> but you do that because you can carry a different strength. Sure. Right. And that's what leadership is. The, you know, there's certain parts, if you get there too early and you're not strong enough, going to crush you. Right, right. And so trusting that process a little bit and recognizing, mm-hmm. you know what? 
I can work on my leadership, my integrity, my character right. while preparing to hopefully one day get in that role. Right. Well, it keeps going back to what we've been talking about that that you've got to work on yourself. You got to be you got to be right. curious about yourself and that goes with a character thing. You know, so much of what you said is people write off different parts of their character as part of their personality. Right. Well, like you know, being rude is not just a personality thing. There's also a bit of a character in there and taking, you know, taking the opportunity to improve that, to work on that yeah. is huge. And that's what sets you up for, for the next thing. But if you don't have, if you don't build that space to really reflect right. on those pieces, right? And so do you have people around you that are honest with you? Right. 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 Tell <laughs> right. me those kind of things. Because a lot of leaders will get to the thing and they've been successful, successful, what nobody told them. Oh, by the way, you're a jerk sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And being real. And yep. now all of a sudden, they're like, wait, I am? Like, yeah. right. wow, I sure wish somebody had told me that the mm -hmm. last 10 years because nobody has. Exactly. So when you talk about building that life-giving life and building a yeah. life-giving leader, you've got self-reflection. You've got building the right people around you. What are some other components of that? What does that mean to move into that space of, of being there? Yeah, there's a simple phrase that I've always just kind of connected to life-giving leadership, which is just when life flows, influence grows. Mm -hmm. And so when you allow life to flow through you to those around us, and then if I can, if, if I can go to the faith component of this, I, I believe we serve the most life-giving, I mean, God, that's what he right, is, right. right? And yet quite often we separate that from our work. Like mm -hmm. we got a job to do and I've got this thing and I'm going, yeah, but can't those be like, yeah. I want that overflow of the most life-giving, being connected to Jesus, being connected to this source, that should just absolutely flow yeah, into right, the yeah. people that we serve. Right. and that we, So when life flows through us, you know, it's kind of like that. I, I've prayed this so many times, it's, it's not even funny, but like, Lord, I want you to work through me and mm. not in spite of me. Mm. Because quite often, do we all believe God could do stuff through, you know, a donkey and right. this guy? Yeah, of course. But wouldn't you rather him partner and go through you than have to go around you because yep. you're you're kind of thwarting <laughs> the whole yeah. thing? So, I think when when I think about life giving leadership and letting that life flow through me, it's really being intentional that the times that. I don't need to make withdrawals. I'm not making withdrawals. Mm -hmm. That I'm making deposit after deposit after deposit because we're all leaders. We're right. all people, mm -hmm. and we're going to make mistakes. And we're going to need days where I'm sure this. You guys work really close together. There's days that you need to. Hey, I'm not doing well today. I've made some mistakes. I I'm pulling right. a little bit, right. right? But we've also all worked for leaders that that's all they ever did, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're pulling from a constant deficit, a constant desert, a mm -hmm. constant whatever, and it just that's painful, right? Versus we're good, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so me to have grace for you in this season is not hard, right? Because we're good. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of overflow of life in me, and so that's the idea of like, hey, if if I'm entrusted with anybody to steward. They're going to get the very best of yeah. me, and I'm going to give them all I got. Yeah. Having hosted uh, the Life-Giving Leader podcast now for, for quite some time, what have you discovered in all of your conversations and, and obviously with your experience uh, uh, in leadership and, and, and the organizations that you've led, what have you discovered is the most common core characteristic of a truly, a truly successful leader? That's really good. Uh, that's hard because <laughs> how many 50 things do we oh, have? Sure. But, you know, right. there's one that always comes back to me, and uh, it's the word integrity. And, and I like to describe it as consistency. So, like, when we talk about the integrity of a bridge, yeah. when we say that, we're talking about that we can trust that that bridge is going to do what it was meant to do. Mm -hmm. Like, they can get creative with how it looks, but I want to know that that engineer, <laughs> that when I step on that bridge or I drive on that bridge from the one side to the other, mm -hmm. it's going to do what I think it's going to do. Right. And that's the way I like to try to – 
to describe integrity and leadership yeah. is like we're never going to get the best out of the people that we serve if we are different day in right. and day out. If right. we come in and they're always guessing. Have you, have you ever been in a an organization where your boss um, – it's kind of like, what's the climate today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, mm-hmm. That's not a win. Right. Right. <laughs> because no. if every day I'm coming in trying to feel out who's going to show up, you're never, your, your staff are on, always going to be on their heels. They're yeah, right. never going to lean in because I don't know, like, I'm nervous. Yeah. Right. I'm never even going to give you 100% because who is, who, Who's showing up today? Are you going to be right. like? So to me, that integrity it matched with consistency. I yeah. just want to know. I, I want you guys. Like the guy that's sitting here with you right now is mm-hmm. also the guy that's hung out with you over here, and the guy that plays golf. Right. Is, like now, sometimes he gets a little different. <laughs> yeah. Depending on the different guy. <laughs> Don't bring that guy into this conversation. <laughs> like, that you know, guy. My day yeah. with my kids yesterday before they start school mm-hmm. today, and like my boys, like I want them to recognize me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I'm at work. Right. Mm-hmm. Not go. Who's that guy? Who's that? Yeah, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's one of the things that I hear and I've always really um, believed about great leadership is that, I, you know, I can trust 99% of the time that that's who's walking mm, through the door. Yeah. And I've noticed I think that, that matters. And I've noticed that like in my life, in my leadership, and then even some of the leaders I meet, what holds us back from being able to be that kind of authentic self is is always fear. It's, a, sure. I mean, you know, and, and fear has different methods, different, you know, parts, but it's that part where it's like, okay, if I am... It's that idea that I have to be someone else that I'm not. Otherwise, they're they're not going to like me, or yeah. you know, and who who knows what put that voice and all that kind of stuff. Well, and, and I think not to cut you off, no, but the, um, the, in 2009, this this lady that was a hospice nurse, Bronnie Ware, she was a hospice nurse in Australia, and I put this in the the book. She for seven years interviewed people on their deathbed mm-hmm. and asked them what's their biggest regret in life. Wow, number one answer, not even a close second. Which we would always say, well, I worked too much, right? right you know, right, I didn't right, make it up, right, whatever. Right, right. Not even a close second was, I didn't get to live a life true to myself. Wow. Yeah. I lived the life others expected of me. Mm-hmm. That's where that comes from. Right. Is we spend more time in certain circumstances, certain environments, trying to be the thing we think people want, want us to, to be, be. When in all actuality, they want you to be you. Exactly. Because when you've been around a leader who is uncomfortable in their own skin, you, that tension that's in them is spilling onto you. Right. But the most life-giving leaders I've ever been around are okay with themselves. Yeah. Right. And they, they go, you know, yeah, I'm not good at Excel. Okay. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> I got to do it occasionally, but like, so I, you see yep. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there, it, it's fear, but it's, I think it's also just this, and if we can't learn from their dying. Yeah. Saying I got to the end of my life and my biggest regret was I wasn't myself. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's painful. Right. I don't want to get there. Like even if that means that my career looks different or whatever, but if 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 I get to the end and I did all these things and yet felt like I lost myself, yeah. It just feels like a little bit like going down the wrong trail. So let me ask, out of all the people you got to interview so far on Life Giving Leader, who would you say is the most self differentiated? authentic or you got that impression i mean wow and that's not you know not critiquing everybody else but if you had to pick one <laughs> well this yeah. guy wasn't no i'm just yeah. kidding yeah. Um, you know i just finished season two and um interviewing my friend kevin queen who's a pastor uh, at cross point in nashville huge and kevin and i went to georgia together we've known each other 20 something years wow that's just kevin yeah and people follow him mm-hmm. because he loves them yeah. And they, they trust him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, he, that guy prays for revival more than anybody that I know. Mm. And they do too now. 
But it's he, not just because he prays, but because they believe nice. in him yeah. and they trust him and they follow. He's just he's himself, mm-hmm. and there's something about that where you go, "I'm attract." It's an attractive quality, right? Yeah. It's just when you're making the sound you were created to make, I want to listen to that. Yeah. So, there's more, but no, it's rich. Yeah. A couple more questions before we do our famous fire round, rapid fire round uh, questioning. I see what you did there, guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you just put out a great book, uh, uh, Leading Things You Didn't Start. Uh, love this book. And, and now I, I want you to kind of unfold. Tell us a little bit about the book and, and what you uh, hope to accomplish through it. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, you know, one of the things I got to lead was this national leadership thing called right. Catalyst, and that's where we all first met. Yep. And um, I remember I was there for about a year as a creative director, and then I um, transitioned with Brad Lominick. And I remember leaving on a Friday as a creative director, driving in on a Monday as the boss now, <laughs> and leading this thing that had John Maxwell's hands on it because right. he started it, and Andy Stanley and Craig Rochelle and all these leaders mm-hmm. that we've all I've looked up to and respected. And I remember thinking, where do I pull from <laughs> for this yeah. situation? Because this is unique. Right. And then the more I started thinking about this, is it's actually not unique. Yeah. Mo- very few of my friends have ever started something from scratch. Mm. Most of us step into a job right. that already sure. exists, a team that already exists, yeah. a yep. thing. I mean, most entry, every entry-level job is not starting something. Right. right. <laughs> like you're joining something. Something, right? yeah. And so I thought, well, even though it feels niche, it's not. Most mm. of us are going to lead something we didn't start. And what I had discovered is that there's just a unique difference when you're stepping in to lead something you didn't start than starting something. Yeah. And there's a reason a lot of pastors in the ministry world would rather have a church of 300 that they started than take over a church of 3,000 that they didn't. Right. Because there's pros and cons. It's, mm-hmm. uh, gosh, there's 100 years of history, and these people are this, and I've got to manage that. But there's, there's just some critical leadership things that I learned, good and bad, of stepping into a national platform mm-hmm. and going, okay, how long do we honor what's been done in the past before we move on. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. yeah, like, how, how does evaluation play into this? Right. What, like, I know I've got to be patient, but for how long? That's like the number one question, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I know I've got to listen, but how long before I make changes? And that, right. Well, there's a discernment required in that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so um, I just, that's where it came from. It was just that idea of we all, when we inherit influence. Mm-hmm. And what am I going to do when I inherited influence? And um, so that was really the heartbeat behind it. There's one of the things I loved is I was able to put in four chapters in the back that are case studies yeah. from all different walks mm-hmm. of life. So uh, uh, men's division one basketball coach who is a hundred days into Texas A&M. That was his fourth. Like he didn't, none of those players signed up for him. Wow. They, like, yeah. that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. 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 that is as, as clear a leading things you didn't start scenario, Buzz Williams. And then Cheryl Batchholder, who was yeah. the CEO of, you know, uh, Popeyes and like mm-hmm. different worlds, Jimmy Rollins, who took over for his dad. Right. Like, just, just yep. some uniquenesses. I just mm-hmm. wanted to bring some um, light to the principles, hoping that they apply into that case study yeah. scenario. So that's really where it came from. Is just going, well, I didn't have a resource. I'd love to give people a resource. Sure. And I also really feel like it's a great onboarding tool. Like mm-hmm. when you have a new, especially in the faith community, right. if you've got staff coming, how cool would it be to give them that a few weeks out and say, hey, we believe if, if yeah. you read this and step in with these thoughts, yeah. it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, in our culture today, the 
so much idolizes that startup, right? Like sure. the startup, the people who start things from scratch, that's where it is. But as people of faith, what we recognize is that none of us started the church, yeah. right? Like that's Jesus fair. is the one that started church. At, so even if you're starting it in a new community, you're actually part of a movement of God that's been going on it's true. before you got here and where you came Yeah, but that. you probably didn't have that elder board that they had. So. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's fair. It's fair. That's oh, fair. could I tell you I'll stories? Just, you know, and he would know all about it. Kent, when you started actually your ministry, you took over and replanted a church. Replanted a church. Right. That's a, yeah, For a lot absolutely. of those those same reasons, isn't it? Yep, right. absolutely. And put, so how do you, I guess my question is, and probably to you both, uh, as some as people who have been leading things that you didn't start, being part of a bigger conversation, um, how do you get over that insecurity about the past? How do you move past that initial, like, okay, I'm part of a bigger story, and I need to, you know, just embrace the spot that I'm in right now with it? Yeah, I don't know if I'd use the word insecurity. Okay. I think it's more of just a, a true understanding. Yeah, mm. does that make sense? Yeah. Like, and and the whole first uh, section of this book is on evaluation because I really need to know. The real, real right reality. Like right. when you when you stepped yeah. in here at SEU, you were probably told not even this sold the, a yeah. bill of goods, but like right. here's where we're at. Here's how right. we're doing. Even Buzz Williams said, you know, hundred days in, this is way worse than I was told. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Or it's better, or right. you know, these kind of things. But one of the things I try to encourage leaders when they're praying through these kind of decisions is. You do the evaluation before you say yes right. to that job, right? To the best yeah. of your ability, I want to see these numbers. I want to right. see this, that, right. and the other. Did Did you walk into that a little oh, bit? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and, and the thing is, uh, also what I faced was a two year window of absence yeah. of leadership. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. So so that adds even more so. But that's why, um, you know, I've always been. It's always been important to contextualize everything. Yep. Do everything you can to understand the context. Yeah. And that always starts with the people. Yeah. You know listening, learning, discovering um, the uniqueness of who they are, which will celebrate and take the uniqueness of where this organization that's right. can go. That's right. And so, yeah, that's that's always been uh, been important. But yeah, yeah, definitely. It's all about understanding. You're it right. Is. And getting a good contextual awareness. Well, and if, um, if they don't believe that you know what they've been through, yep. then you can't lead them. Exactly. <laughs> like, they need, like when you say, hey, I understand... They actually want to believe you, yeah. mm -hmm. and it matters to, if you're gonna if you're gonna turn the rudder mm -hmm. and turn the ship. You got to do it with some sort of influence built, and, yeah. right. and the goal is that you gain influence from day one, not lose it because you're being an idiot. And, right. and the fastest way that happens is just sit down and listen. Yeah, yep. just That's listen. Right. Don't talk. Listen. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. because people have a new in them already. Right. I mean, you. So what I love about the story here at Southeastern is like you came in, you did listening exercises, and from that you said, "Hey, we got to bring football." Yep. Well, that came from people that were already here. That's not right. you starting a new organization. That's not you starting a new thing. These were people who have been here for 20, 30 years, and they all said, hey, here's a new thing we could do, start football. So it's like you've got the same people who are part of the story, and yet with the right amount of listening, empathy, what we're talking about, yeah. taking the opportunity to grab that, you can actually start something brand new right. and make it feel new yeah. on that side. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, uh, it's time to move into fire round. All right. All Let's right. do it. And, uh, and we just want to ask you a few questions surrounding everything kind of we've talked about. Uh, and I want you to answer, of course, with your gut. And uh, we want to grab a few, wh wh which you answer all the time anyway, <laughs> right, right from the gut. And, and we want to. I wish those. I could be rehearsed, guys, but it just doesn't roll with <laughs> no, me. Yeah. And we want to grab a few uh, practical and applicable uh, pieces of advice from your experiences here for the listeners. So, Michael, you can fire away the first one. Okay, perfect. So, first piece of advice you always give to uh, young leaders starting off in their first leadership role. 
Yeah, it's kind of what we already hit, which is go read and learn about emotional intelligence because if you can if you can learn yourself early on, it will save you years of pain and mm. heartache in your leadership journey. That's good. How can leaders strive for unity in the workplace? Uh, finding common ground of some sort, which is and and honestly, that can just be care. Yeah. Like the right. common ground can right. be, hey, you know what? We might not agree, but we care about each other. Right. And I think that's such a lost art these mm -hmm. days. Like we've lost the ability to have civil discourse. We've lost the ability to love. There's an assumption that if I don't agree, I don't love. Mm -hmm. And that's just got to go away. Yeah, yep. that's good. If you could sit down with any influential person, past, present, who would it be or why? Hmm. I, I took a course in seminary. This is pretty crazy, but we it was called Tolkien and his apocalyptic imagination, and ah. I actually got to do the whole like Whoa. the 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 New Testament professor came to me because I worked in the media yeah. department. He goes, "Hey, if you just do all the media, then that would be your grade for the class." Like done, done. And it's right when all the Lord of the Rings movies right. were coming. Okay, out. okay. So I just I think Tolkien. Either him or C.S. Lewis and the yeah. Inklings, just sitting with those guys yeah. and just hearing them process life. And um, I, there's something about that that would be pretty pretty spectacular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tyler, wow. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us today on Framework Leadership. Just want you to know that so, uh, man, I love you, appreciate your wisdom and insight, but most of all, your friendship yep. and the fact that we get to hang out a lot. And, yep. and I appreciate it. I love this place. Much. It means the world to me. So thank you for being on here. Yeah, if you want to stay, keep up with Tyler and uh, your current project, the 1010 project, why don't you give us just a quick brief, what is the 1010, why, why is it important? I know that's kind of a brand yeah, new it's hot a big, press thing for you. It's not that anymore. I mean, it's, we're 15 months into just an obedience step, yeah. honestly, yeah. but it came out of... Um, within a 12-month period, I lost three friends, ministry friends to suicide. Mm -hmm. And um, I just told Josh Turner, a mutual friend of ours, I said, I, I'm going to do something to the, whatever the little fish and lows I have. Yeah. I just, I'm tired of losing my friends, whether it's to suicide or addiction or just complete derailment. And right. so we started this thing to take pastors. Right now it's pastors, but we're working on women leaders and, mm -hmm. and also um, just Christian business leaders. It's a 12-month process that we're putting them in um, community, yeah. create some trusted friendships so they don't have secrets that would take them to that point, yeah. and then also getting them some understanding of mental and emotional health and how to process that. So it, it for me, honestly, it's probably the next 20-year piece yeah. of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, you know, how we talk about transition. We've been mm -hmm. talking about that. But um, what I used to do with Catalyst and standing in front of lots of th you know thousands of people, I would give that up 10 out of 10 times to sit and, and take some of these leaders wow. that we're getting to serve and sit with six around a fire. Right. It's just, it's more in me than mm -hmm. the other thing was. Yeah. And uh, this is, it's just, God does good stuff like that. And so we're just trying to serve that community the best we know how. Love it. Love it. So if you want to keep up with, uh, with Tyler and the 1010 Project, you can check him out on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, at Tyler Reagan. And if you are watching us right now on YouTube, now would be a great time to hit that subscribe button, hit that like button so that you can get more leadership content directed to you. you can also check us out on Instagram, Kent underscore Engel, Twitter at Kent Engel. Also visit the website, sign up for our newsletter so you never miss a moment of framework leadership at kentengel.com. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.